Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? It's shrieking. <laughs> to listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And we have a bit of word snappers business to get to. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. did have some word snappers words last week. I believe you said them. I definitely said them, yes. <laughs> and I had no idea that you were doing it at the time. Good, good. Yeah. I'm glad. That's yeah. I like when that happens, when you just kind of naturally lead into it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember how I pronounced them last time. <laughs> <laughs> so these were submitted by Gemma Nicole, and I, I think they're just Latin, and I believe what they mean are Peter sticks to the wall. Oh, I don't know if you ended up even... looking it up or not. I didn't look it up, but that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and cool. I, you know, I think, I don't think this ended up on the episode itself. I think it was beforehand, but I was like, don't look it up if you can help it. Because I feel like when I looked up what it actually meant, I started thinking of ways to incorporate it that would have been relevant to the meaning of the words, but not really fit into anything that was happening. Like it affected the way I was thinking about it. That's right. That's right. I forgot you told me that. Yeah, but I think the way that you worked it in as sort of like an inscription in the temple was sort of perfect because uh, it's a Latin phrase, uh, Petri ad monia heret? I don't know. <laughs> you know what's sad is that I totally took Latin in college for like, four, for like four semesters. <laughs> See how much I retained from Whoa. that. Whoa. Uh-huh. That's like a whole high school career equivalent. Uh-huh. No, you know what? <laughs> I took two semesters of it, not ah, four semesters. That was okay. the required amount. Yep, but uh, well, I mean, it still doesn't matter. It didn't <laughs> retain. I was like, I, I'm going to take this because it's going to give me a better understanding of the English language, I feel like. Like, and that would be really cool. And I like, like, etymologies of stuff. Sure. But yeah, everything else that was happening in college interested me way more. So I didn't really get invested <laughs> enough in it to, to do very well in Latin aside from just like the – I mean – I did well as in, like, I passed the class, but I did not retain anything from those classes at yeah, all. That's, yeah, that's how I feel about most of my language stuff. Like, I took Spanish and, and American Sign Language, and, like, the structural stuff is the stuff I remember, but that's not all that helpful when, like, all the vocab is gone. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. well, I know rules. I don't know how to put anything into them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you're farther along on, like, a useful skill than I am. <laughs> 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 like if I did retain it, I mean, cool. I know a dead language. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. It would have helped you here, you know. <laughs> I guess so. I guess Although, so. I'm surprised that I didn't recognize really any of that. Not because I took Latin or anything, but I feel like with etymologies and language and stuff, you you bump into so many Latin roots. 
I'm, yeah. I guess I didn't realize that wall and stick are not, <laughs> they must come from somewhere else. Yeah. Guess <laughs> I'm so. guessing wall is Germanic. Seems yeah, like a probably. German word. <laughs> wall. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Know. We know stuff. <laughs> Oh, wow. Off to a great start here. We're looking real smart right off the top of this episode, huh? Awesome. Well, we're tackling something that's not our expertise, but we can easily shift into something that is, which is Spider-Man. We're here. Because as we've proven numerous times by saying, we're not experts, and we haven't read the comics (laughs) on this, and we don't really know where this comes from. Our expertise in the field. (laughs) We're we're still getting our undergrad degrees freshman year in Spider-Man, I guess. That's all right. Right. That that reminds me. I don't know. I think that we were told this between whenever we recorded last and now. Uh-huh. But we this is a perfect example of that. We were trying to figure out like the the origins of Man Spider and we couldn't find and I I dug um but I I couldn't find like anything that suggested Man Spider was in the comics but we had a listener uh who said well like Man Spider does sort of come from the comics but it happened to this character and it had this name or whatever um and that sort of explains why we weren't finding it <laughs> So, yeah, uh, but it, it's still the yeah, design the originate. Yeah, no, for sure. The design originates with this series. The name originates with this series. But yeah, it's it's definitely something that was heavily inspired by that. They just they they took like you know twenty five percent of it and and changed the rest. Yeah. So I I mean I appreciate somebody pointing that out because it's something I didn't know before. Um, I'm still really impressed that the design and concept and name and all that came from here and sort of affected the legacy in a way that uh was it tarantula's version didn't i mean i I guess tarantula's version inspired this but this clearly sort of landed a bit bit harder um yeah but but that was that would be such a kernel because i think because the thing that impressed me so much with how man spider was handled in this season was like how much of a like natural conclusion it seemed to be of the six arm stuff Mm -hmm. so like they still had to put those dots together, yeah. you know, even if even if they got the idea from another character. Well, and the way that they have to handle it in the animated series having happened to our main protagonist, I think, affected it in ways that affected viewers in 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 ways that the Definitely. original story may not have. Definitely. Um, I mean, I I don't know how many people who only watched this show uh in the movies or have just like a cursory knowledge are thinking about tarantula in the first place <laughs> right right <laughs> i don't know how many so. people who like are relatively familiar with spider-man are thinking about tarantula that often so. <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> um but i still appreciate it thank you we always say you know if you know something that we're not we're not thinking of let us know and uh, that person did and i really appreciate it yeah I wish I could think of of that person's name off the top of my head, but I I wasn't planning to bring it, it up. Was, uh, it was it was uh, Sean uh, Sean McLaughlin, oh, I believe. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I don't remember the at though. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sean. <laughs> yeah, and Man Spider's sort of relevant. Well, he's not really to the one we're talking. He's more relevant to the one for next week. But that that whole that whole aspect of this season does kind of rear its head again mm-hmm. as the season comes to a close, which starts in the episode we're talking about today. And actually, this is just a fun a fun bit of trivia right off the bat. This episode and the one following, the kind of the two-part finale, they were both I, – I guess if you were to rank how often 
episodes of this show have aired, like these have definitely would have aired the least oh. because between uh, like right after 9-11 up until mm. I think about 2007, they did not air these two episodes in reruns uh, because this one and then next week's, uh, the very beginning of next week's both have like a burning skyscraper after an explosion in that skyscraper. Yeah. And which is interesting. It's it's surprising because I'm sure that there are other like buildings that get blown up in Spider-Man, but maybe not as explicitly a skyscraper because there was those bits that were edited out of Day of the Chameleon because it was a helicopter crashing into a building. Yeah. And then I guess you because you do see a skyscraper in New York in these episodes burning. So, I mean, I, I get the logic there. I mean, we've talked about the impact that September 11th had on television in general before. It didn't really take that much for something to not be shown or to be completely altered. Um, So I'm not really surprised. You look back on it and you're like, that really doesn't really really resemble the situation at all. But at the time, everybody was playing as safe as possible Mm -hmm. out of of concern for sort of the public consciousness. Yeah, it totally makes sense. It's just interesting because... You know, this is the season ender that uh, kind of yeah. wraps up. It wraps up a lot of story art, uh, storylines, uh-huh. and then like ends on a cliffhanger. So I, because I, I remember watching on ABC Family, which it would have been, you know, the probably the first time I was kind of watching through the show again after its like original airing. You know, it only would have been like a few. It was only a few years after, but still, probably this was the second season. It's still probably been a few years since I'd seen the second season at the time, and I was like. I, I thought for a little while until I looked it up, I was like, wait, did this season end with the Tablet of Time stuff? Like, because it would roll right into it. And, you know, that episode is those those two episodes are really chaotic and yeah. involve a lot of moving threads. So I feel like you could reasonably think like, oh, I guess that was the season finale. I, and it's even worse during that time because it's harder, if not impossible, to like download stuff from the internet in like 2003 so and uh you know these weren't streaming they weren't on dvd these may have i know some episodes of the show were released on vhs in like you know two or four episode pairs or something so it may have been out there on vhs officially but i don't think those were particularly that easy to find a lot of the time Mm -hmm. so it's had to suck not being able to really see these episodes for a while yeah that's a really weird piece of television history that I don't think about very much because it's not relevant right now. This idea that like if you missed an episode and no one recorded it, you just might never have thought you'd ever see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That happened with me in, in the very first season of Survivor. We we recorded every episode except for one. And so we just had to like get filled in. <laughs> like, like, we, that was it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We were oh, never yeah. going to see it. It wasn't until way later that I finally saw that that episode. Yeah. Uh, the 4400, which is a show that I that I still really love a lot, but mm-hmm. I was super into when it first came out. And its second season ended on like a big two-parter. Like part one has a really, really huge cliffhanger. And then our power went out uh, oh. the following week and was out that day. And USA just didn't run it in any reruns once the power had came, come back on. So I had to wait like all summer – Luckily, this was like 2006 or something. So it did eventually come to DVD. So I had to make sure that I got the DVD as soon as it came out (laughs) so I could watch that episode before the third season premiered. A power outage is the worst case scenario because you can't even it's not like you're out for the evening and set like set a recorder. Uh Like you can't do anything. There's like nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And I I imagine in 2006, it was probably 
on the internet somewhere, but like sure. my family just had dial up. Like we couldn't have, I couldn't have downloaded <laughs> an episode. So yeah. Yeah. Weird we, times, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. We don't have to deal with that anymore because now they're all on Disney Plus. Huzzah! All hail we love our corporate overlords. Corporate overlords. <laughs> all hail Disney. One of yes, us. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess we should go ahead and get right into it then. This is Spider-Man: The Animated Series, Season Two, Episode Thirteen, entitled "Neogenic Nightmare," Chapter Thirteen: Shriek of the Vulture. The synopsis per IMDb is Adrian Toomes finances Dr. Connors' new lab for neogenics. But unknown to everyone, Toomes is actually stealing people's youth to have enough strength to take down Norman Osborn as the vulture. What a weird turn mm-hmm. that took. Yep. I, I, well, these episodes take some pretty weird turns. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so. these are going to be, this two-parter is going to be weird to talk oh, about. Oh boy, wait for next week. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It originally aired on February 17th, 1996. So for the writer credits, the story by is credited to John Semper. This is weird. Giles Wheeler, but he's credited as Giles Weller. It might be Gillies or, or something, but either way, his name is all messed up because they, they didn't even spell it right on his credits. So mm-hmm. that's a bummer. Not the first time either. Not the first time. Nope. And probably not the last, unfortunately. <sighs> And also Evelyn A.R. Goodbye is also uh, a story credit. And Miss Goodbye also has a teleplay credit. Uh, she's the only person credited to the teleplay. Um, so for Wheeler slash Weller, uh, IMDb has him as Wheeler. So I think that's his real name. <laughs> he only has a few writing credits, actually. So other than this, he wrote on both Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Power Rangers Zeo. Hey. He wrote on something called Kid Fitness and then a Disneyland sing-along songs video, and that is it for him. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, interesting I, interesting credits list. I wonder if I saw that Disneyland sing-along songs video. I watched a lot of Disney sing-along VHS tapes as a kid. Yeah, I definitely had a couple of them, so I wonder that too. My babysitters <laughs> had like a whole basket. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny to think like you'd be watching a Disneyland sing along and it's like, yeah, that guy also wrote the Power Rangers episode you love a lot. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, yeah, weird. actually. How this weird. guy wrote on like every show that I watched as a kid. Although I didn't watch Kid Fitness. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I've never heard of that. No. You know, it's funny too. He wrote on a Disney thing. Disney at one point owned Power Rangers, doesn't own Power Rangers anymore, but now owns Spider Man. Oh boy. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that <laughs> great? What a, what a cool world we live in. <laughs> yes, indeed. <sighs> Yikes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Miss Gabai has written in animation since like the 70s up until today. I think she had a writing credit up until like 2019. Dang. Yeah, yeah. Um, most popular things she's written on are the Smurfs, the original DuckTales, A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, uh, the animated Beetlejuice show, and X-Men Evolution. Ooh. And just interesting of note for both of the new writers, obviously other than John Semper, um, these are their only episodes – or this episode – in particular, is the only episode of Spider-Man the Animated Series that they both wrote. And spoiler alert, the one next week, this is also her Spider only Spider-Man credit. So fascinating to me that they just kind of got on new writers, I guess, to write the finale. Or they were staff writers in the writer's room and only just got to write episodes at the end of the season and then left after the season, maybe? It's very strange. Yeah, it's interesting to me when people are only on one episode, but it's more interesting to me when you have something that's clearly a two-parter or like a chunk of episodes that run into each other 
and the mm-hmm. writers aren't the same on all of them. <laughs> it is. I'm sure that's that's normal, but it's it's still kind of funny to see. Well, and this is a case too where it makes you wonder if John Semper just was a lot more heavily involved in breaking it than even he normally is, which I'm sure he is a lot anyway, and he has right. to do a lot of rewrites. But I'm wondering if he did like even more substantial rewrites on these because um, he wanted to kind of have like control over the finale, but still whether for like well no they're not in writers guild when they're in animation i think so Mm. that one it wouldn't be for a rules thing but maybe just to help like offload the work it was delegated to like either newer writers or writers on staff that hadn't really like that hadn't had the opportunity to write a script or maybe they were even like junior staff writers or something but so maybe like this is there's more john semper in this than it is the other writers but they just get the credits for it because they maybe just actually typed it with their hands yeah like maybe. <laughs> something like that yeah it, it is it's just so interesting sort of a james patterson situation where he pretty much lays out the whole thing but somebody actually fills everything in <laughs> sure sure yeah because because you know a lot of the stuff that happens in in this and the next episode are like basically just kind of picking up on threads from the whole season yeah. uh, rather than starting anything new except for the stuff that starts new that's weird but we'll get to that (laughs) (laughs) we do get two well we get one major character introduced in this episode but the character is played by two different actors because it's a character who is portrayed two different ways so uh, adrian tombs is our big character over the course of these two episodes and he is portrayed by eddie albert and alan johnson two guys that i somehow got really sucked into looking (laughs) into i don't know why (laughs) um (laughs) eddie albert plays the older tombs um he co-starred as uh oliver wendell douglas on green acres it's sort of the thing that i suspect most people would recognize him from he's also been in plenty of other stuff i know he's been uh nominated for two academy awards um for like big movies but he's just like an interesting guy uh he's another actor uh, who found himself blacklisted in the 50s for simply knowing and associating with folks who identified oh. themselves as communists. Um, we've talked about that whole thing before. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't do a lot of voice work. Um, Spider-Man, the animated series, is among his last few credits. Um, one of the others is Extreme Ghostbusters, which is one of the only other voice credits he has. And then his very last one is an unaired pilot uh, for a Dr. Quinn medicine woman spinoff <laughs> oh. huh. uh, called California. So <laughs> this is kind of a funny, funny uh, last credit. But the most interesting thing about Eddie Albert, well, that I thought was most interesting, it's probably not the most interesting thing about him, but he had a production company um, just called Eddie Albert Productions. And oh. that production company produced two sex education films in the late 40s for young audiences oh my one of them was aimed at like middle school age children and one of them was aimed at like young elementary school children Hmm. they certainly weren't the first sex education videos but they were some of the first that weren't meant to scare people so i actually (laughs) i actually watched both of them they're available Um, one is called uh, Human Growth and one is called Human Beginnings. They're both on YouTube. They're both about 20 minutes long. Um, I just kind of sped them up. And what's really cool about them is that they're very positive. They just talk about like reproduction and they feature uh, like classrooms that are like mixed gender and have surprisingly diverse representation racially for the late 40s. Uh, ah. Kids asking questions and teachers responding well to them. Families talking about, like, where do babies come from? 
saying words that I just wouldn't have expected them to say in the late 40s. And I just think that's incredibly cool for this guy to have had the production company that was willing to do something like that. Oh, utterly fascinating. Yeah, wow. yeah. So that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of how I got wow. sucked into uh, the the Eddie Albert uh, whirlpool was, was <laughs> learning about these these uh, sex ed for young audiences <laughs> videos that he made. Wow, that's and yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, they they yeah. hold up pretty well too. I mean, the one glaring thing is that they're obviously super heteronormative. Well, sure. But other than that, other than the fact that they talk about like as you get older, like boys will start noticing girls and girls will start noticing boys. Like that's really the only thing that you that that doesn't kind of keep up. <laughs> and one thing that's really not- notable about them there's so many times where they say, and that's normal. Like, it's just so cool to I see love them. It. Yeah. So they're like, uh, you know, we'll want to spend more time with each other and, and learn about each other. And that's a normal feeling. And you're like, oh, like, <laughs> that's so sweet. <laughs> that's probably better than uh, the actual sex education that kids are getting today in yeah. some places. So yeah. that's, hey, it's pro, pro that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I was very, very impressed. Uh, it, it was just kind of a fascinating thing. Yeah. And then uh, Younger Tombs, uh, a.k.a. Arthur Avis, we'll explore that maybe later, <laughs> is voiced by Alan Johnson, who really hasn't done a whole lot. Um, hmm. Spider-Man the Animated Series is his longest running television credit. Um, he's only got about like a dozen and a half credits uh, on TV and in movies at all. But I did find him. Uh, he's a stage performer and a director, largely kind of in his own Minnesota community. And uh, if you go to his website, you can see a reel of his comedy juggling. <laughs> he's like, Amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. You could just go Amazing. see what he does. And, and if you're in that area, you could book him and just seems like a, a neat guy. I'm very surprised that he didn't go on to do more voice work because in the episode we're going to talk about next week, some of the stuff he does, I was really impressed with. Yeah, he's so, got a pretty distinct voice, too. Yeah. So that is that is really interesting. So I don't know the story or if there is a story. Maybe it just wasn't very much for him. But uh, I was mm-hmm. very surprised that he, he he didn't have more voice credits. Yeah, that's so funny. Mm-hmm. What an what a interesting couple of people to be wrapped up in Vulture of all characters. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have this one guy who's sort of like the, the classic guy we've talked about who's been in everything um mm. and is sort of older school and came up in early television and and has sort of this big legacy and then you know some guy who did a couple things and now just does his own thing like <laughs> it's such an interesting <laughs> pair yeah <laughs> yeah huh yeah funny well we'll talk about a little bit more about what they do yes <laughs> very shortly so <laughs> let's just get right into it Yes. The episode does not have a recap. So, you know, <laughs> even though it does pick up on a lot of stuff from uh, <laughs> earlier in the season, could use one. I guess the episode was just too long to have a recap is really all it was. I guess. These these two episodes would have benefited from more modern day style recaps where you sort of <laughs> remind audiences of things that have happened in the past. Yeah. Maybe it would be a little telling, but I don't think this is a show that's trying to like surprise you all that much. No. So uh, there are a few things that that they could have dropped into a recap here. Uh, sure. I think the second episodes, or I guess the finale episodes recap is a bit more of an egregious foul, but you know we'll get there <laughs> next week. <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, well, it opens on a board meeting at Tomb Zero Dynamics where Norman Osborn. I don't think we've seen him in a. Good no, long while. We haven't. Have we even seen him all season? 
Uh, we saw him, I believe, in the very first. Was it the first episode? Did we see him? No, we might not have seen him even then. I don't know if we've seen him, to be quite honest. Yeah. It's yeah. been so long. I had to double check that it was even the same voice because I, I just didn't remember. I was like, yeah. is that the same voice? Is that not the same voice? I don't well, remember what he's supposed to sound like. <laughs> he's like extra whiny in these episodes, too. He is. He is. Like, really. Like, he's like Harry levels of wiener. Like, mm-hmm. like Harry's kind of cooled down in the annoying department this season. And, like, I guess all of it got funneled into his dad. <laughs> yeah, they can't both be wienery at the same time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like. Uh, I'm so used now to like other versions of Norman Osborn that I think do him like a lot better than this version is. And it's like, (laughs) wow, wow, you suck, man. (laughs) Like it's a take. It is a take on Norman Osborn. I get it. But I mean, there's a family resemblance. So yep. Yep. Concept is there, I guess. (laughs) I guess so. Whatever. He's, mm-hmm. Yeah, he sucks. It doesn't matter. He's even he's chastising Adrian Toomes for wasting money on what he views <laughs> what he views to be pointless projects. Things such as anti-aging technology and anti-gravity research and just research grants given out to places that can do research, Ugh. like at universities. So you know, pointless. pointless pointless stuff. Nothing that anyone could ever use. What I want to know what his like plans, his replacement plans were. <laughs> like, what was he offering the board instead of doing like anti gravity and anti aging uh-huh. research? Clearly, like, Norman Osborne isn't aware of the bazillion dollar cosmetics industry dedicated to anti aging products. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if you could I'm make sure... that just like a beam of light uh, yeah. or like a magic potion, I think. Well, maybe you'd shut the industry down. So maybe he is actually against it. (laughs) That's what I was going to say is I think a lot of the anti-aging stuff actually has zero research behind it. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. um, you know, (laughs) maybe that's where he's, he's, he's coming from here. Do you (laughs) think I have stocks in the, in the beauty industry, so this isn't going to (laughs) work. Do you think that Norman Osborn and Gwyneth Paltrow would be friends? (laughs) I think that Gwyneth Paltrow would despise him but take as much money from him as she possibly could and he wouldn't realize how much she hated him is probably what it would oh be. shit that makes me think she's a queen damn it derek <laughs> oh sorry that wasn't my intention <laughs> oh man all right well. i mean she doesn't u- i mean she doesn't use the money for good though is the problem. okay fair point so. <laughs> all right we're back we're back <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is funny that those are like the 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 things he considers useless. Um, <laughs> ay, ay, uh, and as a result of him thinking these things are useless, he basically says to the board, like, let me buy Tomb's aerodynamics and we'll make even more money. He doesn't say how. He doesn't say what they'll be doing to make more money. He just says, we'll make more money. And then we get this, I guess it's a reveal uh, that Toombs isn't even present at the board meeting because Osborne's mm-hmm. like, this guy, he's too old and frail to even show up to the meeting. And they like pan over to a conference phone. Mm-hmm. Oh. Ooh, <laughs> and he's sitting there in a robe. He's in a robe <laughs> all yes. whenever he's not in his vulture outfit. That sounds like the life to me. Not showing I mean, up to meetings and just being in like a, a robe. I guess that's the that's the benefits of being rich. Like you don't have to impress yeah. anybody, so you can just be like, whatever, guys. Yeah, yeah. Norman's jealous. I think that makes a lot more sense. You know? That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. <laughs> now this is interesting. So Tombs, of course, doesn't take very kindly to this, and he calls Osborne a corporate vulture. Is that a term? Is that um, like a thing? 
No, well, I, th- I think so. I feel like I've heard that before. I guess it makes sense in this context because Osborne's trying to basically devour a company he views mm-hmm. as dying. Yeah. What I think is interesting about it is that it's it's a complete inverse to the first episode mm-hmm. of Spectacular Spider-Man, which also has an Osborne versus Adrian Toomes slash Vulture situation going on. And Osborne calls Toomes a Vulture, which is how he gets his namesake. Yep, um, yep. Or I guess, well, actually, Osborne doesn't actually call him a vulture. He calls him something else, and then Toombs remembers the name wrong. <laughs> that's, a, that, that, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But just as that, them calling each other names is, is switched between the two, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I do like that. He also uh, he also throws in even more bird puns, in case you didn't know who he was going to become, because he <laughs> says, there's only room for one bird of prey in this company. Um, and immediately after, we see, like... How, uh, how his bird puns connect because he suits up as the vulture mm-hmm. and abandons the conference call by jumping out of a window and flying away into the night. I love that he doesn't hang up. He's just like, I'm going to leave you hanging. Fly away. Because <laughs> yeah. you get Norman calling after like, Tombs? Tombs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's like that camera's just going to be sitting on his empty, <laughs> his empty <laughs> office until someone else turns the call off, I guess. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at a park nearby, uh, Spider-Man is just, like, sitting on a fountain, like, literally on the water on the fountain. Sure. (laughs) Watching a kid rollerblading through the park uh, without a care in the world. And as Spider-Man sort of laments to himself uh, needing daily neogenic treatments, he notices a shadow from above and thinks to himself, oh, no, is it the Hobgoblin? And I'm like, oh, God, I hope not. (laughs) I know. We thought the same thing, (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. In fact... Unsurprisingly, it's the vulture, and the vulture attacks the rollerblader, and the way he does this is basically just by, like, putting his hands on his shoulders, and then they start glowing, and you're like, what's happening? And vulture gets younger, and the kid gets older. Mm-hmm. So that's a reveal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. Vulture and Spidey clash in this, like, kind of nearby wooded area, since it is a park. Vulture, his, like, wings are, like like sharp blades basically i didn't remember that at all from the show me like either. when he started slicing through tree trunks i was like whoa i don't yeah. remember him being this sort of like vicious uh especially because what's funny is like we were just talking on a spider bite recording about how i hadn't really thought like oh vulture would be a menacing villain or be able to work in sort of a menacing way on live action film until we saw you know, Michael Keaton's version of it. But also, like, we talked about, like, MCU Falcon's wings and the way that he uses them, even in ways Michael Keaton's vulture doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess my memory just completely got rid of all of this stuff from the animated series. Because the way that Vulture is using it in this episode is kind of the same way that Falcon uses them in the MCU, just, like, huge, enormous blades. Yeah, yeah. And they're, like strong ones too like he's Mm -hmm. able to like (laughs) like slice through tree trunks yeah and i guess that's a combination of like the sharpness of his blades and his speed so he's flying right past and slices them down so that's pretty intense yeah i think they they do a really good job in these episodes um making him really formidable yeah again for me too in a way that i didn't really remember so it's yeah it is really interesting especially like it's such a weird choice to have the vulture be the end of season villain especially for this particular season which has been so heavily full of like monsters and like superpower mutants and everything. Mm-hmm. But you know, they do as good of a job as I think they possibly can making him 
pretty scary just in how he's able to just like kick everybody's ass you know consistently you know it's funny i think what these types of episodes end up being about which is just age in general we just saw you know we just saw the vulture like steal somebody's youth and become younger so they're very much about age and the, the last episode we talked about has to do with that too it's funny i think what those episodes are about is exactly what ends up happening to us in real life watching vulture stuff because i never think that the vulture is going to be a formidable foe and i'm constantly surprised and i'm like oh shoot like he's actually kind of terrifying in a way that many other villains aren't Mm -hmm. so i'm just doing exactly what the people in these episodes and probably comics are doing which is being like eh, you're just like some old guy who flies (laughs) 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 when no he's actually terrifying like his go-to strategy, which we'll see a number of times over these episodes, and that we've seen, I think we saw it in Spectacular, we definitely saw it in Spectacular as well, is to just bring somebody up as high as possible and just drop them. Yeah. That's a fucking horrible way to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I got to stop, like, underestimating Vulture. <laughs> I guess so. I guess yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well... So this, uh, all the trees are falling down in the park now. <laughs> so many trees. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of them is about to fall down on the geriatric rollerblader, formerly youthful ger- rollerblader, but now geriatric. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spidey jumps down to save the kid, but he manages to kind of get himself uh, pinned down. But before Vulture can strike at Spider-Man while he's trapped down there, um, like right before he does that, he's like kind of held back because he ends up like transforming back into his old self. Um, and every time he does this, it's like, it looks like a, like either like a painful transformation or like at least like something that's kind of debilitating in a way. And also like bright and glowing, um, mm-hmm. which happens multiple times in these episodes. So many times. Uh-huh. Even at really weird points, which we'll get to later. But yeah, bright and glowing and transforms back to his older self. So, and, 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 you know, we know that he's like weak and frail as an old guy. So he, uh, he doesn't want to keep, uh, fighting Spider-Man. So he flies off, which means Spidey's able to free himself up and check on the rollerblader who has spontaneously become young again. Hmm. So there's this weird transfer, but not like lasting effect. Strange, right. strange. It's very strange. Quantum also- entanglement of youth. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Or the opposite of quantum entanglement? I don't know. I'm not really sure how quantum physics works. I think that that would be quantum (laughs) entanglement, right? Yeah, why not? Yeah, Um, something, something, science words, sure. Um, You know, I like uh, like Vulture's tune, his, like, theme tune that plays a lot of in these two episodes. Oh? Did you notice that this time? No, tell me more. Uh, It's good. Uh, It's just, um, I mean... It just sounds like a vulture tune. It's like a lot of really blaring horns Ooh. to it. Um, I can't, I don't really know the name of like instruments very, like I don't yeah. know like the specific like trombone versus trumpet or whatever, How but it's like a horn. It's like a <laughs> horn sound, you know? Yeah. Um, they used a lot of those. Huh. And it's a really, it's a lot more, I hate using the word epic because it's such an overused word, but it definitely is trying to evoke like a more like epic orchestral sound than has been normal for the other like individual villain tunes we've heard this season yeah like it's cool, been like, like spooky or sort of like menacing in a lower sort of way yeah and i think that that helps with vultures menace a lot because every time that he's doing anything on screen they kind of start playing that tune mm-hmm. and it's sort of like an amped up like oh something bad's gonna happen oh 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 <laughs> Yeah, and it's good. And and they use it a lot, but it's not overused. It's just kind of overused, especially it's used really well at the top of the episode after this, actually. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's good. I Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Nice. So later, um, after this whole park incident happens, Spider-Man makes his way to the announcement ceremony for the Tombs Grant, which we've been hearing a little bit about over the course of the season. Uh, I think it was introduced, if not in the first couple episodes, definitely that the first few. Um, How, whenever Michael is, whenever Michael is introduced, when is he I introduced? I well no he he is introduced in the first episode but I thought the beginning of the season it was just exclusively being Connors' lab assistant oh, and that maybe. was the big deal and they didn't actually introduce the Tombs Grant until the Tablet of Time episode okay. that De- like hmm. Deborah mentions it but I mean it's kind of interlinked because the lab assistant thing still plays a major role in this one too sure so. yeah it definitely does um, because we'll see that it sort of all culminates into the same moment so right. Um, Spider-Man's heading to that that ceremony, and while he's doing that, we see Vulture sap the age and energy from a, a security guard in the same location. So just as Spider-Man swings past, Vulture flies down and, and gets the, the youth from an adult. Um, yeah. This is a weird principle that he's setting up. Cause it's he, very strange. He takes the the youth from what we presume is sort of like a probably like 12 to 16 year old kid mm-hmm. and only gets a very limited amount of time with that and then says i need a full-grown adult for more time and i feel like it should work in reverse <laughs> i think because by think, that principle wouldn't yeah. you want to target old people <laughs> i think what it is is I think calling it youth is like a misnomer. Like they use the word a lot. That's our fault. Like they call it youth and stuff. Yeah. But I think it's more just like general strength. Vitality. Like vitality. Yeah. And like as a kid, you have a lot of energy, but you don't have a lot of like, like you don't have the same type of like body strength. Like you're still like weak in a lot of certain ways because you're still developing. And if you're in your like twenties and thirties, you're like more closer to your peak. I feel like that makes sense. He's looking for peak performance. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I think that's why Spider-Man in addition to being super powered, he's also a 19 year old. Yeah. So it kind of like works in conjunction because he's kind of getting right up at the edge of being like the peak adult. Yeah. That makes more sense. It's not necessarily like a, uh, there's a, I don't know. It's not a straight line. There's a curve there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, it's it's weird how it all works in general anyway since he's like uh-huh. it doesn't like it doesn't matter how old you are, you still end up like eight they seem to all be zapped to the same age and he always goes to the same age. So yeah. like yeah. And it also but it, well it, it also seems like the amount of strength that the person has does have a big effect on him. Like not just with Spider-Man, but yeah. like later on, he specifically like knocks Deborah out of the way to go for flash and saying like, I need the strength of your strong boyfriend or whatever. So like, I think he identifies when people look like they probably have more physical strength. And I think like, no matter what age they are, that's going to make a difference too. Yeah. That makes sense. It makes a lot more sense than, uh, than how he simplifies it in, in like one sentence. Yeah. Which makes sense. The episode goes by very quickly, so (laughs) we're not going to get a full scientific explanation. Plus, this is sort of, you know, everything's been so science-y until the last episode we talked about with the Tablet of Time and all that sort of stuff that we're sort of getting into the more, like, mystical, less science-y stuff where they're still using science, but they're not explaining every little detail. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're getting into stuff that they can't really explain, like de-aging once he's done using your life force 
<laughs> right. And I guess, I guess, they, right. Yeah, it's like, okay, sure. I guess, like, the, the tablet is sort of their cipher into that because it's sort of like, well, we didn't oh. say it was totally magic. We said it was like an ancient technology that just seems like magic. So, so it's like a radio tower. Everything's going through the tablet. I guess. <laughs> I, that, I mean, sure. I think that that's a good, as good of an explanation as any because we don't really know. He says that he like used the, the tablet to make his talons that do this, right? But he yeah. never specifies like how he used the tablet. Like he didn't say that he like used a piece of its stone in his talons or whatever. Like all we know of the tablet is that it responds to light in weird ways yeah. and like emits radiation that does this stuff. So I think it's actually totally reasonable that it's like, yeah, he just like created some kind of wave that like, instead of being like photon particles, like it's a different type of like invisible wave. That's always like a signal that's always connected to the tablet. That yeah, it runs through. So poses a lot of very interesting uh, science questions. These these couple episodes do <laughs> about uh, what uh-huh. can and can't be transferred between living beings. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, oh this God. is only we'll the beginning. We'll get to that. <laughs> like I'm not looking for like hard science in my Spider-Man cartoons, but it's weird when like rules are established and then it's just like I mean magic though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with it. I I kind of like uh, yeah. I I kind of like where we are going with it. I think whatever we're figuring out, which we don't have enough time to fully figure out, I kind of like that direction. This idea Mm -hmm. that there's actually just this sort of essence or life force that exists and flows through everything and you can actually transfer it in ways that maybe don't reflect our sort of reality, but work in this in this universe. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. You know, something frightening is the the look of the guard when he becomes old like oh, his yeah. hand his hand becomes like this like s- almost like skeletal like clawed yeah. <laughs> clawed hand and i think that that image for some reason is like screen capped onto the imdb like i think if you go onto imdb <laughs> like just the image of that hand is like the, the at least the thumbnail when you're weird. going through all the episodes yeah so weird, weird. <laughs> very weird thumbnailing is a weird art <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Well, the award is announced to have been granted to Dr. Connors and Empire State University, which is no surprise. And while this is happening, the Vulture finds and begins to terrorize Osborne uh, outside and uh, in some nearby building. Uh, It's not always clear at this point which building is which. Mm -hmm. In his acceptance speech, Dr. Connors announces that Deborah will be his assistant. And then we go into soap opera time. (laughs) this is where all of our interpersonal dynamics happen uh pretty much all at once it's beautiful yeah it's really the most like season finale e i feel like that the two-parter gets you know like in that in how many like threads that have just been interspersed throughout the Mm -hmm. whole season are just like culminating like one right after another (laughs) yeah yeah just constantly they've all been in motion and they're just they're now colliding and it's you know we get that with this this sequence of interpersonal things but we also get it later too uh Mm -hmm. in in the in the in the finale and the sort of conclusion that that brings but it's interesting seeing all those pieces just sort of lock into place (laughs) yep 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 this this little soap opera combination this is like my favorite stuff (laughs) when all these like dynamics just collide Mm -hmm. flash congratulates deborah which boosts her up and you know we've seen a little spark between the two of them we've we've seen that deborah is hanging out with flash a little bit more Mm -hmm. um so she's a little excited about that but right after that felicia shows up and she's like oh that's great but 
<sighs> I missed Michael. The night is reminded me of Michael. All the science things. Michael loved to do science things. So Flash, can you take me home? And he's like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Um, and Deborah's like, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> wow. Okay. Peter uh, kind of comments on comments on like Morbius, and it's like, wow, what a bummer. But hey, Deborah, at least you know you're you've won this. You must be having it all. And she's like, mm, I don't have everything, Peter, uh, which <laughs> clues him in to realize that uh, that Deborah is actually interested in Flash, but he must have no idea because he's a big dummy. Yes, what a lunkhead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course. How could this not all come back to Peter thinking about himself? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it reminds yep. him of how he screwed things up with Mary Jane and basically thrust her into the arms of Harry. Which is not even close to the same situation that, f- no. that Deborah's going through. Not at all. <laughs> like, come on, Peter. He's like, Jeez. I can really relate. And I'm like, but no, it's can't. not the same at all. <laughs> you had, you got exactly what you wanted and messed it up. Debra mm-hmm. wants something that she believes is unrequited. That's the complete opposite. <laughs> Peter, you make it so painfully clear to every single person when you have a crush on them. Like <laughs> you make it you make it so crystal clear that we can't stand it. Like yeah. that you're not in the same you would never be in the same situation as Debra. <laughs> yeah. You are not one of us. Debra is one of us. <laughs> Talk to my crush? No. <laughs> Make eye contact with my crush? What are you talking about? Definitely not. They can't They can't know that I exist. Say anything other than insults to my crush? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's like second grade all over again. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what Flash and, and Deborah are, like, for yeah. sure. And we've seen it before. Like, they just insult each other. One thing that's really weird, in this scene, Peter calls Deborah like, three different names. Calls her Deborah at one point, calls her Deb, calls her Whitman. Like, he just, he doesn't stick to one thing. I don't know what Peter calls her ever, because it's just something different every time. Yeah, it's their such relationship, a weird thing. Their relationship is 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 odd, like, because they, 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 they fluctuate so wildly from seeming like they're, they, she's introduced in the very first episode, like, he says, like, she's the little sister I never had or wanted, which yeah. I think that that, dy- that the idea, uh, concept of that dynamic is interesting, where they, like, have a mutual respect and are actually, like, probably pretty close in terms of, like, like n- getting each other's vibes. They just, like, they just um, come into conflict a lot. Like, they just, they just don't really, they just don't really, like, v- vibe enough to uh, be compatible as, like, friends, but... Then, like, they also seem to, like, not trust each other, like, whatsoever at other points. And then there's moments like this where, like, they actually really do seem to, like, get each other and have, like, a little bit of comfort in each other. It's a really, like, weird – I guess it's just supposed to be, like, a caustic kind of relationship and they're not really friends. But it's still just, like – it's hard to really get, like, their vibe sometimes, you know? I think the brother-sister thing could work really, really well if we just saw them get along and support each other more. Mm -hmm. Because – all of the the weird jabbing and insults they make to each other that I actually think frequently feel out of place and a little bizarre mm-hmm. would make so much more sense if you just saw the flip side of that, which is like just, I don't know, boosting each other up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and we see Peter do that with Deborah sometimes, but I think Peter 
Peter does that with kind of everybody. Yeah. I don't know that we really see Deborah do that to Peter. I think that's the problem. Yeah. So it's like, I don't really know. And we have Peter's internal monologue about what he thinks about her. Yeah. And we know that he's like a, a decent guy um, for the most part. So but we don't really get her side of things and like what she thinks yeah. about him. Really. I really like like later on, you know, after when, when she does like recognize later, like, Oh shit, I was wrong about Peter just being jealous and I'm going to call him and, uh, you know, and, and let him know like what's going on yeah. and, and actually like trust what he said. Like, I really liked like that a lot. And I wish that kind of stuff happened more yeah. where if they did have jabs at each other, there was also like a moment, there were often moments that would sort of uh, compliment that where she'd be like, oh, actually he's pretty cool. Like, yeah. like just to even it out a little bit. They also never laugh at each other's jabs. Like they don't, mm. they don't laugh at each other's jokes. I don't think. <laughs> yes. You can never, I mean, that's a problem. That's a problem with like TV and like sitcoms anyway where it's yeah. just sort of like do you actually like each other or are yeah. you like really trying to hurt each other and you cannot <laughs> tell here at all yeah you definitely can't <laughs> well when peter's thinking about how he can totally relate um we get the first of our few flashbacks uh Jeez. that we we don't we don't need but we flash back to six star and peter turning down mj we see mj watching peter and felicia hugging after the meeting with detective lee and we see mj asking harry on a date in case you didn't remember <laughs> how that all went down. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Peter. Thanks, okay. flashback. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe yeah. it was sort of like a traumatic episode because Peter decides that he needs some air uh, and decides Drama to go queen. outside. He's like, Man, I need some <laughs> fresh air. Uh, cool, I guess. Do, do what you got to do, Peter. <laughs> um, when he gets out there, his spider sense activates. Uh, and he also sees flashing lights from a nearby building um so he's like well that's sort of fishy he suits up and he does find vulture inside that building where the flashing lights were pursuing and shooting lasers at norman osborne inside the like like an aeronautic showroom there are some cool sets in these episodes there are Um, this is one of them it took me a while and a few viewings to figure out which sets were which this Mm -hmm. is one that i do think we technically only see once or twice even though we see another set very similar to it so Mm. this is just like purely it seems like a showroom it's a bit more like a hangar Mm -hmm. there are like planes and other flying vehicles hanging from the ceiling there's like some museum looking things on the ground and it's it's a cool setting for a vulture versus spider-man fight um yeah and we get a little bit of that here when vulture attempts to lift and drop norman but spider-man saves norman and tries to stop vulture yes 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 well uh yeah so after he after he's starting to fight vulture um vulture again flies off when he deages mid fight mid flight or mid well both mid fight and mid flight actually <laughs> um <laughs> but uh this time however spider-man's like i'm not gonna let you get away so he chases after vulture as long as he can um he's not able to like really catch up with him but he is able to zoom in with his camera and take a picture of his face um and it really it's a cool shot because he's yeah. like it's like this really speedy zoom into Vulture's face that like immediately transitions into the photo that he took. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's really cool. There's a there's a few like neat shots in this episode and the next one. I think. Yes. Like the animation isn't really super great right. uh, on a lot of cases, but they 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 try to do some some unique stuff at least. Um, 
within their limits. <laughs> we get in these two episodes sort of a smaller version of what we've gotten all season, which is like this season we've had some episodes that are incredibly animated and other episodes that are not. These episodes inside themselves, it's like some scenes are very well animated and some are just very not. <laughs> And I yeah. think it's so that they could focus on the things that really matter, like vulture sequences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously can't spend as much time on other things that don't matter as much, like when they're making the announcement at the award ceremony. Like that's right. pretty – or the boardroom. The boardroom's really bad. Yes. Uh, yikes. <laughs> and there's – uh huh. And there's probably the in, – in this couple episodes, more the next one than this one, but there's <laughs> – Way more recycled footage from past episodes than I think we have ever seen so, so much. far, which does not bode well for the future. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, we have two seasons worth of, of episodes that we could just pilfer from and <laughs> reuse. Oh, boy. Season five is just a literal collage of recycled <laughs> footage. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do we have and what can we make from that? <laughs> I mean, that's like part of the course for Spider-Man, unfortunately, because that was the, the, the end of the 60s show. Like, the last few episodes are literally just cobbled together like recycled footage from <sighs> earlier episodes yikes <laughs> fun right huh tv production is great i guess if you think of it as art it's a it's a collage and a feat yeah <laughs> you know i'm it's always fascinating because it's always like somebody still had to make those choices yeah. and put it together and be like, okay, of the limits that we have, what <laughs> what old footage will work here? I mean, it's one of the most fascinating things about Power Rangers, right? Yep, yep, yep. So, you know, yeah. if we put ourselves in the right mindset and throw all of our expectations to the wind, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of cool, I guess. It's never, it's never not going to take you out of the episode in terms of being invested in the world, but it yeah. is not – But but – you can replace that with just like being fascinated by like yeah what it is like the metatextual on the metatextual level yes yes for sure so peter takes this photo that he managed to grab of vulture and i love this as well he takes it to his closet dark room <sighs> hey <laughs> It does exist. We did see it again. And we see that it is both a closet and a dark room. I can't. This is like some surrealist nightmare. Like, does the closet exist or not? Does the dark room exist or not? I don't know. There are shirts hanging in the background. Schrodinger's closet. I don't understand. (laughs) But is it big or small? What's the size? His closet is just a Salvador Dali world all on its own. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. (laughs) This is the real neogenic nightmare. What is your closet? (laughs) It's a metaphor, really. Uh, But he does develop this photo uh, the old-fashioned way, because it's old-fashioned film, and then uses uh, new, (laughs) cool computer technology to enhance it and figure out who Vulture is. Literally zooms and enhances it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And apparently, the Daily Bugle... (laughs) Has it has facial recognition software and a database of like every prominent figure in uh-huh. New York, I guess. Well, it's one of those things that isn't sort of like it makes sense if he were doing it manually. If he was like, hey, I have access to all of the photos for the Daily Bugle because I am a photographer. Let me see if this matches anybody with my own eyeballs and clicking. But no, mm-hmm. they have like <laughs> like modern facial point recognition where – it's not even like it's not the same photo, obviously. 
<laughs> like it's just picking up on facial cues so yeah and the photo that he has is like a really awkward angle like uh-huh. that's not even his entire face and i like th- that they're at least include the little detail that it only has a 30 percent accuracy or like or, or probability of error or something yeah so like they acknowledge huge. that it's not going to be perfect it doesn't matter because it gets exactly who it right. needs anyway right but, and 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 i am willing to suspend my belief for the idea that the marvel universe has like a better technology than like what was equivalent in oh, 1995 for sure all the cops have laser guns like I, I i get that so i'm willing to buy it yeah the idea is still just really funny and such a very 90s idea of like how technology works yeah well it's one of those things that that very easily could have been in a show without laser guns. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. And yep. you would have explained it by this is the 90s. Like, it, it still would yeah. have been the same thing. <laughs> yep. But yeah, no, it actually does make a lot more sense in this universe where you have the types of tech that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hello, amazing friends. We'd just like to take a minute to give a special thank you to our spectacular and up patrons, Gemma Nicole, Katie, and Chris. And if you are interested in becoming a patron, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. We have three different tiers that you can opt into, the first of which is our $1 tier where you get early access to episodes, a bunch of Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes such as our Spider Bite mini-episodes, you get to participate in our Walloping Word Snappers interactive improv game, and you get your own random villain alter ego. If you join us at our spectacular level at $5, you will get all previous rewards, in addition to our monthly After Dark commentary episodes, a downloadable, high-quality poster of our logo art, a personal on-air shout-out on each episode we record while you're a patron, and a Twitter shout-out and Twitter and Instagram follow once you become a patron. And if you really love what we're doing and you want to be a part of it, you can join our amazing tier at $30, where... If you stick around at that amazing tier, you could guest on the episode. That's right. You could be on an episode of Walloping Web Snappers to talk about anything that you would like that is in the Spider-Man canon or mythos. So at the end of the day, it's you guys who lets us keep doing what we're doing. So thank you for that. No matter what level you're able to contribute or if you're just an avid listener who's stopping by, trust us, your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Thank you. Thanks. Well, back at Tomb's Neogenics lab, Deborah shows Flash that the, uh, or she shows Flash around. So she's showing him like the new lab and equipment that they gained access to via the research grant. Um, this is another like really cool set yeah. that they have because it's so cool because it's so it's like so big and open. Like I this, love it. Yeah, like you never see the ceiling. Like I have yeah. no idea how tall this room is, but it it the scope of it is amazing and how big it is. And and it's like just it's just sparse enough. Like there isn't really a whole lot happening Mm-mm. in there, and it doesn't feel like it's empty or underdrawn or anything. It feels it just it just adds more to like the vastness yeah. of the space that they're in because the, it's the consoles and stuff that they have are all just placed in just the right places. It's like just a really well-designed set. Yeah, I don't think it's frequent that we get sets in this show that I think would translate really well to a real-life set. This Mm -hmm. is one that I think would be stunning as a real-life set. Yeah. Because it has, like, the massive windows on one side and the huge ceiling, and it just seems very cool. Yeah, yeah. This is another thing where, like, I think that they – they do. They did a good job for this being the two-part season finale. 
adding in these locations, in addition to like the Vulture's music and the Vulture being really like weirdly formidable, I think it does a really nice job kind of amping up the intensity of everything going on, even as a lot of this stuff is like only just being introduced <laughs> in yeah. this episode, kind of like very uh, rapidly. <laughs> like we haven't had a whole season to build up the Vulture, yeah. but they at least do a nice job of making him feel like a very, very, very important figure, even if there isn't really that much to him, which uh, I could talk about later. But <laughs> I mean, they add like two massive, arguably two and a half massive sets that these two episodes take place over. Uh-huh. Like it's it's very cool. They have yeah. they have the aer- uh the aerodynamics building, they have the Tombs Neogenics lab, and they have whatever that showroom is supposed to be that we don't see a whole lot of, but is still very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it adds I mean it adds like again, like it adds to the whole scope of the of the uh of the episode, I think. Um and the two parter as a whole in a nice way. So yeah. props for that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's also like cool, but also like a little a little cheesy. But I love it. Um, in this lab, it's just like a f- the a floating like CGI like molecular DNA structure. <laughs> Pretty sure it's the exact same one I think from the X Men crossover that was being oh, presented. For sure. It's the I same think it's, one they've used over and over. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think well, and, and then like Tombs has like a has like a model of it on its desk. So I think that's literally just like the representation of whatever Neogenics is. Uh huh. So, but yeah, it's just like floating in the middle of the room. Um, Flash like presses a couple of buttons while Deborah's showing him around and like turns it off. And Deborah is like, no, that's very important. We have to have, we have to have the, the floating <laughs> DNA symbol yeah. always on. And she's like, Flash, don't touch that. It's not a video game. Stop. And um, turns it back on. So Flash is, is trying to start another tutoring session with Deborah. Tutoring session. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I wonder. I wonder who who made sure that was set up for them repeatedly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but before they can kind of set up their their date, uh, their conversation is interrupted by Arthur Avis, Toombs's second in command, um, who we can pretty obviously recognize is his younger uh, Toombs's younger like iteration. Um, just, you know, out of the vulture costume. So Avis uh, flirts. Yeah. <laughs> I have so yeah. many problems with Arthur Avis in this episode. <laughs> well, well, my th- here's, I think an easy solution with what Arthur Avis could have been is if vulture was seated earlier than this episode. Yes. And Arthur Avis could have been a character for a while. I th- actually like, I don't, I don't want to go back and rewrite the whole season or anything, but I could have easily seen even just like one or two appearances earlier where like Arthur Avis existed, Adrian Toomes existed, and you didn't realize they were the same character until like this episode that it was revealed or something like that. Well, I think I think something like that had to have been considered because something feels missing with Arthur Avis in this scene at all. Like it doesn't time out properly. This is the only time over the course of two episodes where we see him younger without seeing how he got to that point. Mm -hmm. And the next time we see tombs is not that far from this moment, at least on screen, but I think in, in universe time and he's not Arthur in that (laughs) next time we see him. So it feels like something's missing. It's like, Enough to make you question if this is actually supposed to be tombs or not. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, weird. It's weird. And it's one of the, it's, it's, it's part one of a number of things where I feel like I can kind of see the cracks in this two-parter in a way that I wish that I didn't because I just feel like all the vulture stuff would have 
worked really, really well throughout the whole season and made this finale like a lot more effective. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, the, my only guess is that like, it was just like a time constraint thing or like under a lot of pressure in breaking the story. Cause the vulture stuff just and the tablet of time stuff really before this kind of seems like it was just sort of thrown in at the end of the season and not really worked in as gracefully as virtually everything else in the season before yeah. the tablet of time episodes had been. Well, the tablet of time stuff and then the types of stories they have told and could have told could have been its own entire season. Yeah, that's very true. I am of the mind. I mean, I was going to save this for later, but I think it's as good of a time as any because the Arthur Ava stuff is so weird. I'm of the mind that I think that they could have like merged tombs and Silvermane or or held Silver, Silvermane for like another season and just had tombs in Silvermane's slot. Yeah. Like because they have almost the exact same motivations. Yeah. And and it could have just been tomb like we could have seen tombs having a vendetta against Kingpin. Uh, throughout the season and and that leading to some of the Tablet of Time stuff. But instead of him, you know, turning into a baby, he like just is able to get the Tablet of Time and use its powers to make him become the Vulture. And then this could be sort of the culmination of multiple threads throughout the season instead of just being kind of thrown in, thrown in at the end and feeling like a weird retreat of stuff we, we already saw with Silvermane. Yeah. Like it's a, obviously a very different take on everything that happened with Silvermane, but it's also weird because I feel like Silvermane felt like more of a better fleshed out character if only just because we saw him a little more and we saw like family members of him and everything. Whereas Adrian has potential for being a really interesting character, but we we have so much so little time or spent with him that literally all we know is like his motivation to be young again, yeah. which is the one thing that he has in common with Silvermane. Right, right. Yeah, no, that that all makes perfect sense to me. And it would have worked out really well. Yeah. It's just a bummer. Like I said, I, I want to try to like look at these episodes through the lens of like what we have, not like what could have been, but there's just like a lot of what could have been. Cause it's just well, like a, a weird weak point in like episodes that really aren't like super weak in a lot of ways. Like I think could be strengthened really easily. Well, I think there's what we have here with Arthur Avis is pointing to stuff that could have been, I don't think it's just like, Arthur Avis like uh, does or doesn't work in a vacuum. I think yeah. the thing that makes him confusing is the fact that he feels out of place and that there's stuff missing. So there's like, yeah. he, he almost comes with a void. And I think that's different than just saying like, I don't mm. know, take this character out, put this character in or whatever the case may be. Sure. Some things are superfluous and that's, that's fine. This is more like there's, there's something actively missing uh from from the arthur avis stuff yeah yeah so. definitely definitely it uh it does make uh it does make like flash jealous <laughs> so oh. that's cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah so avis avis is like flirting with deborah and flash is like ticked off by him because avis does also like insult flash yeah so flash is like oh you're just so, he's so arrogant so egotistical <laughs> <laughs> Yep, and guess who arrives just in time to take advantage of this moment? It's Peter. God. You know, no wonder no one likes you, Peter. Like you don't. Yeah, <laughs> just walks in the room and insults people. I know, right? Like, aren't you a guest here? Like, what? what are you yeah, doing, how did you bro? even get in? I know, I know, I know. Yeah, he arrives and immediately is like takes one to no one. Like, mm-hmm. all right, Peter, how old are you again? Oh. Yeah, yeah, not even clever. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, Deborah is, Deborah is, of course, very smitten with Flash. So she is actually pretty defensive of him here and jabs back. Like, at Peter, it's like, here to see what you're missing by not being Doc Connor's assistant. See, these are the moments that I'm talking about where I'm like, is this, is this, is this funny between the two of them? Or is I this just know. mean? <laughs> yeah. Because it seems right. mean. <laughs> it does. It does. Which isn't yeah. to say Peter doesn't deserve it most of the time. But uh, <laughs> this, this is the second time she's been like, well... I got this thing you really wanted. Sucks to be you. <laughs> I know. I know, right? I know. <laughs> Which, I guess if they really do have a sibling dynamic, would be how I would talk to my own siblings. So That's tr- that's true. Like, I guess it, it, it works for the very caustic sibling, sibling <laughs> like, dynamic side of things. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like there's not really a lot of, like, like sibling dynamics, like the causticness works because there's also, like, love mm-hmm. there. And I don't sense a lot of that no. with Peter and Deborah. Not Not that much. <laughs> Although there's a little bit of it here where Peter's sort of like the reason he's there is to is to say like Deborah, yeah. I think you should be cautious. Like I'm not sure he he never presents these things well. He's like, so bad ever. at it. He's but, always so bad at yeah, it. Yeah, because he I think he says to Deborah like I think it's unsafe here instead of just being like Hey, have you noticed anything? Like or here's <laughs> what I learned or no, here's, here's why I'm suspicious. Like no. well, especially because he is a reporter for the bugle or a photographer for the bugle, so he could very easy, very easily be like I have sources that say blah 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 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. My favorite thing though is like one of the things Peter says is like, but Deborah, something weird's going on here. And Deborah's remark back is, Peter, you're weird. <laughs> I do love that. That is perfect. It's the perfect yeah. response. Peter, you're yeah. weird. <laughs> Period. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Well, unsurprisingly, because this is what always happens with Peter's terrible delivery of things, mm-hmm. Deborah's like, all right, well, clearly you're jealous that I got this, so get out. And she kicks both him and Flash out of the lab because she's got work to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's working, gentlemen. (laughs) Yup, 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 yup. Outside, Peter kind of, um, Peter like recognizes, has, you know, obviously recognized that uh, Deborah has a thing for Flash. And when Flash is just like kind of not understanding like why Deborah like didn't hate the Avis guy as much as he did or whatever. Peter's like, dude, it's because she's trying to make you jealous. Like, <laughs> get a yeah. grip. And Flash is surprised. He's like, what would someone as brain pumped as Deborah seeing a jock like me? It's the first time we get anything where, like, Flash is, like, super sympathetic. Yeah. You're yeah. Like, he's oh. got a little, like, inferiority. Like, he's actually, he actually feels really, uh, really, um, I don't know. He has he has a weak spot for, like, his, uh, his intelligence. Like, he recognizes that he's not a super smart guy, and he feels a little bad about that. Yeah, he's got a little soft cream filling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is funny like too because like deborah and flash kind of see each other the same way right like she's like what would a what would like a, a cool popular jock guy like that want yeah. to do with me and he he kind of has the exact same feeling back it's interesting that that the thing that they both are best at doesn't seem to be the thing that they value most like they value the other person's attributes as the, sort of the superior attributes yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, it's weird to think about somebody like Flash, quote, settling for the popular crowd. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, out of a sort of inferiority complex. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I've ever really thought of it that way because you you sort of think of social strati in sort of like a hierarchical way and less of a circular way. But this yeah. presents more of a circular model where she doesn't think she's good enough for him and he doesn't think he's good enough for her. Yeah, I love that. I love their little romance. I, I actually, I'm really so convinced. Clever. Yeah. 
I'm it's really clever. And you know, and you think of like the the opposite, like the slightly less romantic side of it, but like just like logically, like I think both of them are too kind of competitive to be with people that are too similar to them anyway. Like I feel like <laughs> if Deborah was with someone yeah. who was really smart and Flash was with like a super like athletic girl, I feel like both of them would just like go crazy, yeah. <laughs> like trying to one up the, their partner. That's true. So. No, that's a really good point. That's such a real world dynamic too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's such a brilliant observation. It's funny too. Cause this is a different, this, I don't think I would say that about every flash that we've talked about, you know? Yeah. Like this flash being this kind of uh, self-conscious or, or not even self-conscious, but just sort of like, I don't know. Like, it, however he measures what stratus he's in isn't the same as, as say, Spectacular's Flash. You definitely. Know? Uh, and so it's interesting. That version of Flash is definitely, like, a lot more sure of himself, mm-hmm. I think, and a lot more insightful of people. Uh, like, he's not actually that dumb, I feel like, is no. the thing. Um, he's just, you know, I think he just is, uh, like, that version of Flash is just a little bit too consumed by his ego. Whereas this version of Flash is legitimately like pretty stupid, but he's aware <laughs> that he's stupid. And yeah. that kind of gives him, I think, a, a, like a, a, his own kind of like little inferiority issue yeah. that probably manifests in him being kind of a bully to people. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I was wondering if this would be a Flash that I would care about because Flash can really go either way. Like I can mm-hmm. hate Flash. I can really like Flash. It just depends on what Flash we get. And this is this is one that I can appreciate. It's sort of in a way that I appreciate Amazing Film Universe's Flash. Yeah. It sort of took a twist where I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, yeah. I see you and your emotions. <laughs> yeah. You could you could sort of see the Amazing version and this version kind of like growing out of their like shittiness after yeah. a while, just like the comics version did. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah. I like it. I'm I'm sold. I'm sold on this Flash and I'm sold on his his and Deborah's little romance yep. um, for sure. I we think it's a ship it. I think I already shipped it, but Oh yeah, it's a it's a clever now move. Now I ship it with much more gusto. Definitely. Yeah. Well, inside at Tombs Aerodynamics, Dr. Connors meets with Adrian Tombs. And uh Tombs is an asshole. Uh, <laughs> like right from the get-go. He's just a total I mean, he's just even rude. Like Connors goes in and he's just, you know, looking at the stuff that Tombs has on his wall, like the stuff that like it's is made to be looked at yeah, because you're hanging on his wall. Chosen to display. <laughs> yeah, and Tombs is just like, "Ooh, you're enjoying my life, Dr. Connors." And it's like, "Dude, you're the one sitting in the dark." Like <laughs> like what are you Yeah. <laughs> Being Connors a creep. Like, right. Like Connors is like, "I didn't know you're here. Sorry. I was just, you know, look, waiting time. here until you got here after you asked me to come and meet you. Like, what? <laughs> what are you doing?" Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Tombs sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, Tombs. Tombs is not not sympathetic uh, at all in this, this iteration. <laughs> not one bit. Not one bit. Nope. He, God, and he's so he's so like Silvermane was obsessed with how old he was. Tombs like is obsessed in a different way, where like he takes everything like as an insult to his age. Uh-huh. Like Connor's like rep like is like basically talking about, about how great he and his company and his grant is. And then it's just like, just mentions like casually mentions like his legacy and tombs is like my legacy. I'm not dead yet. Don't make that mistake. Osborne made that mistake. Like yeah. <laughs> clearly, you know, the most like villainy oh, villain that ever villained. Uh huh. And Connor's just like, 
slow down. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm going to go. If <laughs> you taking your pills. Can I get you a water? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. And then, and then he, like, his rant turns into, like, a coughing fit, which turns out to have been fake because when Connors goes to, like, help support this old coughing man, <laughs> Adrian just, like, sticks a chip thing on his head mm-hmm. that, like, immediately paralyzes him. Dare I say an inhibitor chip? It's not an inhibitor chip. I just but it's a really love that phrase. It's a, it's a fun <laughs> phrase, yeah. It inhibits your movement. Yeah, it does. It, it inhibits your ability to do anything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally like a paralyzing yeah. chip thing that he puts, like paralyzing disc that he puts right on Connor's head. Now, there is sort of the indication that it's, it's mainly just physical because... Uh-huh. Toombs continues to talk to Connors in a way that I think he understands Connors to be able to hear and understand him. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's horrifying. Yup. Real horrifying. And what he's talking about is just like how his suit works and how like where the power comes from and basically connects his what he calls his talons, his gloves uh, to the tablet of time. And we see a, a bitty flashback of how the Tablet of Time works, and we see Hammerhead selling the Tablet of Time to tombs in case we missed that. Um, And then, and then, and then, (laughs) he saps Connor's life energy, uh, (sighs) which is rude. Bad, bad Also, you know, we we mentioned that uh, tombs is sort of like a frail old man, and they talk about how frail and old and weak he is throughout the whole episode. Mm -hmm. But right after he, or not after, right before he saps Connor's life energy he's like putting on his costume tombs is like the most ripped old man ever yeah i don't think he i think that the frail thing i think it's two it's two sides there's there are two pieces to it i think part of it is that tombs himself is so like down on his own body image that like he doesn't see he doesn't see how like fit and strong he is so he act kind of he himself almost manifests like frailness out of nothing (laughs) and like has the essence of it uh because he thinks it's so hard and then it's everyone else also saying that because that's how tombs like presents himself yeah so he presents himself as being a frail old man who just like sits in a robe at his desk and can't leave his home when he's probably not actually he's probably fine i mean he can like fly around as an old man (laughs) like he seems to be doing fine i mean Um, and everyone just believes that believes that about him because that's how he presents himself I mean, I think it's largely just, like, the inability of the show to draw anybody without an eight-pack of abs. I mean, yeah, that's um, – yeah. But that yeah. is very thoughtful and I think makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm, there's not really much to, like, pull out of tombs, unfortunately. So just getting every thread that I possibly can. Sure. No, that makes that, – that, that, is, that is very fair. There's not much there otherwise. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well – After he saps the energy, he immediately flies off. And we learn that instead of continuing to target Norman, he chooses that now he's going to target Harry. Mm -hmm. Different approach. Yes, yes. Later on, Spider-Man arrives at an amphitheater in the park. Um, Here we see that Mary Jane is is actually performing a play there, and she invited Peter. Um, So he's kind of, like, confused about it because he's like, well, she's not dating me. Why would anyone who's not dating me want to talk to me? Uh, 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 I just want to, like, sit down and talk to Peter. Yeah. Uh, To be fair, all, like, their last, like, two or three interactions have been, like, severely negative. So it also might be a case where, like, 
she probably hasn't talked to him at all in like a couple of weeks at this point. And he probably just still assumes that she's mad at him. And then, <laughs> and, and it is kind of weird if like, I, I guess it is weird. Like if you've just had a big fight with someone and then never actually had like your like icebreaker conversation. And then it's just like, Hey, come to my play. Um, I guess I feel like although, this is like the perfect icebreaker to be like, Hey, I'm going to be in a show. Like, if you wanted to check it out, like that'd be cool. And you know <laughs> I what? I guess it's not exactly what she's doing here, but I don't know. It's so hard because like his his whole mentality is like friends that are girls are for fucking unless it's Deborah, who I just <laughs> insult. <laughs> uh huh. Like I I. But you're right. I mean, it is they haven't talked really. I take all that back though because. Why doesn't he think that this is their opportunity to talk about like their friendship or whatever? Like he know that never even crosses his mind. <laughs> right. It's like either she wants to get back together with me or she wants to tell me that her or Harry are getting married. Like there's no gray area for him. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's why I just want to talk, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, Peter. Oh, Peter totally believes in the friend zone so hard. Oh, uh, you, oh, you know he does. That should have been obvious from, like, the first episode. Those are, like, words that he probably says all the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> if, if His the, if Twitter the... bio right now is oh, forever no. in the friend zone. That's what it no, is. No, no. Don't <laughs> ruin him for me. And he tweets it all the time. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, God. I That's can't. what ruined Peter for you, BT Dubs. I mean, just like the the just the finality of like actually Peter's just an incel. Is really... <laughs> oh no! Oh god! That does make it a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't want to connect. The, I just want to believe that he just like isn't there yet. But I don't want to believe that, like, <laughs> that he actually is like. I think you could still believe that he's only nineteen. He's nineteen. Yeah. I was an yeah. idiot at nineteen. Yeah, me too. We all were. <laughs> Who isn't? Who isn't? If this were like grown up Peter Parker, like graduated from grad school and everything, Peter Parker, <laughs> then then we could believe that his Twitter bio includes the word friend zone. <laughs> uh, the, my only solace is that like Peter's too busy to have enough time to spend on social media. So like, <laughs> <laughs> that's why he hasn't changed his Twitter bio. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, well, he's there at, at Mary Jane's play. He does show up, which is good. Yeah, he shows up and on time. Like, he's there before she started. Yeah, um, impressive. She wants to talk, talk to him backstage. He sees Harry first, and like I said before, he kind of worries, like, oh, no, what if they have a big announcement? And After they're, like, two dates. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Peter. Let me explain to you how, like, relationships work. Anyway, backstage, um, he's, he, he finds Mary Jane, and she shares that she actually received a letter from her father, which, as we know, f- what? Peter's response, I, it's Oh, God, it's so bad, bad. right? Really it's bad? Very bad? It's very bad. Because she's like, yeah. I got a letter from my father. And he's like, the father that abandoned you when you were a child? <laughs> yes, Peter, that father. Thank you. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, Wow, she just brought up all that trauma right up again, right before I'm about to go on stage. Thank you. She doesn't have another father that you were clarifying. (laughs) Not that we know of, at least. (laughs) Yeah, as far as I know, she didn't have two dads. Mary Jane (laughs) should have two dads. Yeah. Right? I mean. I feel like that'd be good. That would be good. Yeah, yeah. I would like that storyline. Yeah, that'd be nice. Mary Jane's two dads. That'd be nice. Nope. She only has one dad who who ran out on her as Peter very <laughs> directly reminds reminds her and us. 
But uh, but the letter, like, was to get them to meet after all these years. And Mary Jane's like, I'm really nervous. And Peter, I want you to join me for the meeting. Um, Peter's like, oh, uh, she <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 they feel like there's a lot of layers to this yeah. because what she tells Peter and it's a weird explanation is that like. Peter, you've lost both of your parents, which I feel like is just like a jab back at him for like, hey, you're brought up how my dad abandoned me. Well, I'm going to remind you that your parents are dead. Both, both of them. them. <laughs> you've got one parental figure left and she's old and frail. <laughs> um, but her her logic that as she explains to him, yeah, is that like he would v- definitely understand what it's like to like grow up without a parent. So like if he's there with her as support, like she knows that he kind of understand what's going on and maybe can like just kind of help her out, you know, with processing whatever she's going to be processing. Peter, of course, asks about Harry, her boyfriend, who mm-hmm. I believe as far as we know, his mom is also dead. So like. <laughs> he also lost a parent, um, which yeah, is Peter why double lost a parent or triple lost a parent, depending <laughs> on how you're looking at it. So he's triple as good at understanding. <laughs> yeah, the more people that die in your life, the better you understand what it's like to have someone run off on yeah. you. Sure, well, and the more you want to watch those people be reunited with the people you can never be reunited with. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is actually a revenge plot against Peter. She's so pissed at him. She's like, I want you to experience what you'll never get to do. I do think, like, what she is saying makes a lot of sense if she were like, hey, I'm meeting up with my dad. Would you want to get coffee after? Because I feel like I'm going to have a lot to talk about. And I think you might get it or you might have some advice. Yeah. Like, just in case it goes real bad, you know? Right. What I think the reality of it is that we see the next time is when Peter is like, what about Harry? And Mary Jane's just like, oh, Harry and I. But then she gets cut off because she has to go on stage. Mm-hmm. So I th- I think this, this the weird parent death count logic thing is just like a workaround because even though she's technically with Harry and Peter has pissed her off a bunch, for whatever reason, she still feels a, con- a better connection with Peter and she feels a little more comfortable with him than she does with Harry and still trusts him more to like be better as support than Harry would be, which knowing Harry, he probably would be yeah. like a nervous, awful wreck in that situation anyway. So like, I believe it. That all makes sense. It all checks out. So I actually do kind of like the nuance in this whole little situation yeah. here. Um, Cause it is like an awkward, like a purposely kind of awkward exchange and experience. So um, I kind of like that. Yeah. And for <laughs> of course the way that Peter takes it, isn't that like, Oh, I can be there for my friend. It's more like, ooh, ooh, she doesn't really like Harry that much anymore. Ooh, she might be with me now. Oh. Ooh, ooh, I have a chance. Ooh. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my friends who I care about immensely are actually going through something horrible and I could take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay. Ooh, I'm just going to be in a weak spot where she's going to be like vulnerable <laughs> with her dad. Ooh, oh, there's gross. a window. No. <laughs> It, oh. Is Peter actually like the worst human being on the planet? Like, I... <laughs> oh, Peter. oh no, <laughs> Peter! I just want to talk. <laughs> uh, oh God, I still I want what's best for him. I just yes. need him to learn. I just need yes. him to learn. Just have to remind myself that he looks thirty-five, but is nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not there yet. He's not there yet. He's 19. still pretty fresh out of high school. Like like, freshman in college. <laughs> yeah, the hormones have not settled yet. He's still still going through something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah, so um, the stage manager kind of calls, uh, calls places before 
she can go further. So she, she I like that she also like before she goes on, she like tells Peter like, oh, I'm in Faust, by the way. Like, <laughs> did did you not tell him what play he was going to that he got tickets to? I don't guess not. <laughs> guess not. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I think she says like, it's not a lot of laughs, but the tunes are the tunes are great or something. This is all lost on me. <laughs> well, I think it's, I mean, Faust is like a tragedy, but it's, I don't think there's a version of it that's a musical as far as I know. Say, so I think it's a, I think songs? it's a joke. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I think it's just a joke because it's not, it's but, not a um, musical. Uh, as far as I know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a musical version of it that she's stealing. That seems like that would be weird, but sure. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's the the point, right? It's yeah. Like experimental. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a re- yeah. reversion, if you will. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> well, we don't get to see very much of that performance anyway. Cause Unfortunately. Like right I know. <laughs> very little. We don't get to sit through an entire production of of it uh, before Vulture arrives and grabs Harry right out of the seat. Harry also, just <sighs> like his best bud... Worst reaction time ever sits in the seat far longer than everybody else who is screaming and running away. <laughs> so they've got that in common. <laughs> I'm actually looking up to see if there's a Faust musical right now. Because <laughs> I don't want to, I'd feel bad if like there's actually a very popular one that exists that I've just never heard of. And there is, but it's Randy Newman's Faust. And she does specifically say that it was, um, I don't know how to pronounce, she pronounces the name correctly. It's spelled like with a T-H, but it's pronounced with like an R or something. It's pronounced like Gotha's Faust, but that's not how you pronounce it. She says what it is. So she doesn't say Randy Newman's Faust. Which oh, sounds I wish it had been Randy fascinating. Newman's Faust. A Randy Newman Faust? Like what? That sounds <laughs> wild. And it was in 1995. So it would have would have been <laughs> like it would have been around this time. So maybe that's what they I don't know. Maybe Real she missed is doing opportunity. Randy Newman's Faust. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> weird. Musical theater nerds, uh, I want to learn more about this. So come at us. Yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> That's like anyway. a really aggressive way to ask them to to inform us of something. <laughs> come at us! I'm so used to being like, don't knowledge. come at me, and now it's just like, yes, please come at me. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, so Vulture grabs Harry. Spider Man uh, suits or Peter suits up as Spider Man and tries to save Harry, but he does it by like catching him. And grabbing him and then, like, webbing him. Or he doesn't even grab him. He just catches him with the web and then just, like, webs him to the, like, arch of the stage. So he's just, yeah. like, hanging by his, like, by a web. <laughs> like, which yeah. would be terrifying. Very high up. Mm-hmm. Very high up. Very and he already knows that Vulture's wings can cut his web. <laughs> yeah, so. It was firmly established early on. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> nice job. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, so um, he does clash with Vulture again, and again, Vulture starts to de-age, and he's like, nope, bye, and flies off. Later. All of Vulture's missions are basically like, I got to do this in 30 minutes, and if I don't accomplish it, I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah, and he never accomplishes it, ever. Yeah. <laughs> nope, nope. So Spidey, of course, sees MJ comforting Harry, who, you know, was just, like, picked up and thrown off and just went through a traumatic moment, and is, of course... 
very upset that Mary Jane is comforting her boyfriend because I guess this means oh, that maybe she. they aren't going to break up and his friends aren't going to be Ugh. deep in misery deep in misery that he can take advantage of. Oh, man. Poor Peter. <laughs> yeah, poor Peter. <laughs> well, he also, like, throws whatever her headpiece was just, like, sort of nearby and swings off. <laughs> Yeah, come on, man. Cool. Cool. (laughs) Here's your headband. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. So back at the Tombs Neogenics lab, Deborah sees the vulture returning from that performance to the aerodynamics building, which I don't know if we've really set this up. They're right next to each other. So the aerodynamics building where tombs like office and penthouse and all that sort of stuff is like within sight of the neogenics lab that Deborah and Dr. Connors work out of. And we see the two of them next to each other a lot. So she sees him returning back to his building and she, you referenced this earlier, calls Peter to basically be like, Hey, remember when you were telling me that you were worried? I think maybe I saw something that, that jives with that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe you should get over here, bring your camera. I just want to let you know before I call anybody else. And this is all, like, on his voicemail machine, (laughs) which is kind of funny. But good, because as she is finishing up this message, Vulture attacks her, and she screams on the recording. Yeah, her that patented uh, Liz George's scream that she has. She's very good at screaming. So good. I want to wake up to that. Oh, okay. I would only need one alarm. (laughs) Yikes. Have fun with that. Would never have to snooze. I would just be awake immediately. <laughs> oh, sure. Are you one of those people that would like that that does like the like buzziest buzzing alarm noise in the morning to to get up? No, I'm the person who's like five o'clock, five o one, five o two, five o three, five o four. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> just like this alarm is not going to stop until you get up. <laughs> <laughs> so I think if uh, Liz George has just screeched in my ear, like uh, I don't think I'd be worried. I don't think I could ever get used to that. <laughs> I'd hope not. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't experiment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've become yeah, desensitized yeah. to the sound of women screaming. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm useless now. <laughs> I can't help any women screaming on the street. Uh, oh my life as a superhero is in shambles yeah i could never (laughs) never be a superhero (laughs) the timing of this is weird well i'll get to that in a second because a lot because there's a whole scene that because peter has to get all the way over to tombs's uh, aerodynamics after hearing this message which couldn't have happened immediately or else he would have picked up the phone so some time has to have passed like a significant amount of time has to have passed when he arrives at the neogenic lab and um, I'll, that I'll put a pin in that because I'll continue that after the scene. But because okay. he meets uh, he meets Flash, or rather he sees a shadowy figure, uh, <laughs> jumps in, webs him up, and trips him up. It turns out to be Flash holding flowers. Aww. Yeah, it's so sweet. I know he's so sweet. The fact that Flash is bringing her flowers is like such a huge thing. It is. I don't know it if that's is. just me, but I feel like that's such a big thing. <laughs> well, given I think it is given that as far as we know, they haven't really like talked at all until she like tried to make him jealous and then shoved him out. So like and then as we learn in a second, like she didn't show up for their tutoring session. So I think that he he is really trying to take initiative to sh- like show her that he cares because I think he's fully I think like it shows that he fully has realized that like he's kind of been hurting her feelings unintentionally. Yeah. So and he just seems like a guy who would be like flowers are dumb. 
Yeah. Where do I get you flowers? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. The no. fact that he went out and got flowers seems really nice. <laughs> yeah, it is very nice. And what's also very nice, I, I this is a thing that I like gift a while ago. Um yeah. but like it he like is holding out his the flowers when he's like saying, like, I came here for Deborah. And Spider-Man's like, oh, for me, and even does like these nice little like hand gestures, like, oh, for me. And Flash immediately is like, no. <laughs> and like Which just, is funny because like, Flash would get Spider-Man flowers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's so good when you have like the audio not with it it's yeah. such a funny gif <laughs> oh it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing <laughs> like oh flowers for me no <laughs> yeah you've done the world a great service by adding that gift to the universe <laughs> <laughs> thank you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> my pleasure yeah so but, but but yeah but but i also like that he is he's a little bit insightful in this because he's like oh yeah deborah didn't show for a tutoring session so i showed up here but if Spider-Man is here, that means that he's only going to be here if there's trouble, which means she's in trouble and then immediately goes running off to save her. So I love that. Yeah. And uh, Spider-Man stops him because he's like, nah, dude, like, you're just a dude. Go home. <laughs> Please go home. <laughs> yep. um, Flash even, like, brings up, like, remember when we were fighting the Spider-Slayers together? Which, <laughs> if you remember that episode, he was just hiding the entire time. <laughs> Beautiful Flash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really get a good, like, perspective on how he sees the world. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Flash does have kind of a kind of a hero streak to him or something close to it because uh, when Spider-Man leaves, Flash, is, Flash pretends to leave, but he does not actually go home. Yeah. He instead just sprints off in the other direction to Delivers go find Delivers a Deborah. real zinger, too. You can count on me, Spider-Man. Count on me to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> Bazinga. Cool. You did it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This, this is what's, this is what I was bringing up before. That's kind of weird because now Spider-Man arrives just in time to see Vulture carrying Deborah away. Mm. So like how much time has passed between when she left that message and now, because he's not at this point, I guess he's not in the same, he's not picking her up from the room that he just zapped her in. But he can't have been flying that far. So like No, they're right next to each other. Right. So like the timing of this is weird because he is also on a time limit. So he wouldn't just be hanging around in the room with Deborah, the which unless unless he like has done stuff and then they reverse, like the ages reverse and then he absorbed her again or something. Like hmm. Yeah, I don't know. The timing just doesn't really <laughs> seem to work out very well. Or there's a cut scene where we realize that Tombs dyna- or aerodynamics and Tombs neogenics are literally right behind Peter's house. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's on the other side of the street that we never see. Maybe. We don't know. Yeah, there's wow. nothing that disproves that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought he would have set up in this borough? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that is weird. I didn't even pick up pick up on that. Well, yeah. yeah, he does. He does end up seeing Vulture carrying Deborah into that aerodynamics building, which, yep, very weird. But uh, he does follow and is greeted with a laser security system in the lobby. Cool. Which is cool, I guess. He uses the power of mathematics to outsmart the security system because the lasers bounce. Yeah. Which is yeah. cool. Geometry <laughs> is useful. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we see that Adrian Toomes is watching Spider-Man do this and also watching Flash attempting to find Deborah and says, mm-hmm. hmm, I could use the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Toomes is really the one defining the relationship here. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Spider-Man makes his way to Toom's office, which is similar to the like aeronautics showroom, but not the same, I don't think. Yeah. He just happens to also have planes hanging in his office, which is a dope-ass office. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. It's an aeronautics place. Makes sense. Uh-huh. So Spider-Man makes his way to Toom's office. He does find Dr. Connor still paralyzed by the chip. Horrifying. Mm-hmm. And he recognizes the chip as Toom's technology. He calls it a neural neutralizer. Apparently, he came across the research for that at some point. That seems, that whole, that's, it's so, uh, it seems so pointless because I feel like. Just we've like already stuff. <laughs> yeah, we've already like ex- we as the audience have have like gotten the exposition on what it is. Spider-Man doesn't need to know what it is. He could just be like weird thing on Dr. Connors's head. I take it off. Yeah. Like that's all you need to know, buddy, but Yep. All that right. seems suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he does. He takes it off seemingly painlessly, which is great. Love that. Yeah. Um, and he tells Connors to get out of here. Mhm. Mhm. Meanwhile, Flash finds a crying Deborah inside the aerodynamics building, and we see that she is, of course, been drained of her youth, so she's looking in the mirror and old. Um and and like she's 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 under the impression that it's permanent, of course. So, like she doesn't know that she's gonna turn back. Um so Flash is kind of comforting her. There's a really it's sad, but it's also a really funny, like, shot where like she's looking up at Flash and it's her face like looking right at the camera and like her head is is really big in the frame <laughs> and she says I'm old. <laughs> yeah, they do a lot of like distressed uh, I'm old yeah. moments over these two episodes. They don't get yeah. real nasty about it, which is nice, but there are a number of like oh no, I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Like they at the least framing... contextualize it a little bit in her case. Like in her they case, in, in probably both cases. In her case, it's like a, like you said, she thinks it's permanent. So she's like, I had this whole life to live and I was doing research and now, like, I don't know how much time I have left. Like, he stole my entire life. She's like 19. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a trauma. Like, it sucks that, like, the meta of it all, like, almost, like, often comes off as like, ew, old people are gross. Right. But like from the perspective of the characters, it makes a lot of sense because it is a horrifying thing to have happen to you. It would be a lot better if they simply just didn't scream, I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> I know. Yeah, because it's not the last time that it happens. Yeah. But because all their concerns, once you get past the shouting, I'm old, all their concerns are like actually quite terrifying existential things. Yeah, right. Like exactly. one minute I was 19 and you know, presumably decades away from, from death. And now I'm, you know, who knows how old and who knows how many years, weeks, days, like they don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Flash is, is, is actually being like really cool with all this and comforting her, not doing the exact opposite of what he did when she was like running from, uh, from, from, from uh, man spider <laughs> yeah. or Morbius or whoever before when he was just like, uh, calm down lady. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it's actually a nice bit of symmetry with that because this time he is uh, he's actually like really awesome and he's like no I'm because she's like oh no I'm gonna die and he's like I'm, I no I don't I don't want to lose you I care I care about you too much to lose you and then she's like oh you care about me and then this is the point where I do think their their nice little like emotional moment is sort of hurt a little bit because mm-hmm. she starts glowing like really early into their exchange. 
and she's glowing for a really long time while they're talking. So, like, instead of just, like, glowing real quick and de-aging, she's glowing, like, before Flash even, like, notices that she's de-aging mm-hmm. um, and calls out that she's de-aging. And, you know, and then she finally does, and it's fine. But it's still just, like, they're talking, like, oh, oh wow, I care, you care about me, as there's just, like, lightning all around her and everything. <laughs> it's just a little silly. Yeah, yeah, an otherwise very sweet moment. I know, uh, I know. It doesn't like ruin it or anything. It's just, it's just kind of silly and <laughs> kind of cheap. It's a little bit, but they're very <laughs> sweet together. Yeah. Ah, uh, who knew? I know. Who knew I'd be so into, you know, Flash Deborah? <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like the heart of this this particular episode. It's yeah. really nice. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Well, Vulture interrupts their conversation to, as we kind of figured he would, steal Flash's life force. But he doesn't really succeed in that because Spider-Man swings in and, and drop kicks Vulture. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think he actually drop kicks him. I think he just webs him this time mm-hmm. before he can complete that drain. So the two continue to fight, but Vulture activates a self-destruct sequence on the aerodynamics building to kind of force Spider-Man to let him go. And Spider-Man's like, no, that that's not going to work. I'm not letting <laughs> you go. And so Vulture's like, okay, cool. Neural neutralizer. <laughs> <laughs> Slaps one of those on Spider-Man's head and uh, means to doom Spider-Man to explode with the facility. But alas, Flash hasn't left the building, or he came back into the building, I guess is probably more accurate, Yeah. and removes the neutralizer mere moments after Vulture puts it there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Spidey swings both of them out of the aerodynamics building as it is exploding, uh, mm-hmm. saving both him and Flash. And we see that Deborah's already outside, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So everyone, everything's great. Happy ending, right? Super happy ending. Yeah. Great way to end the season. Mm-hmm. Wow. With love. Yeah. Yeah. Found love. Spider-Man brought two people together and wasn't <laughs> even like salty about it like he is with everybody else. It's nice. Mm-hmm. But then Vulture comes back and confronts Spider-Man again and immediately just like lunges at him and saps his life force. And (laughs) the episode ends with uh, him removing the mask of an unconscious Spider-Man and us seeing a very, very old Peter Parker lying, like I just said, unconscious on the ground. He's old. He's old. It's weird that he does this. It's weird that he takes his mask off. Because he knows that he's not going to look like who he is. It's purely for us. It's purely to catch us in that one second moment where we're like, you can't unmask him. And then to Mm -hmm. realize like, oh, it it doesn't. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And that's when we get our to be continued. Mm -hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, well, um, faces of this episode. Peter's inquisitive face. <laughs> at the play, at the play, after after MJ has, like, told him about her dad and everything, when Peter's contemplating, like, ooh, maybe I can hit that after all if she's vulnerable. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, that sentiment uh, will be forever attached to the screen cap. Yep. His face is, like, super elongated. Like, it's a very long – it's literally a long face. Yeah. Like, his forehead is, like, stretched out really high. Mm-hmm. And his, his eyebrow is, like, stretched out really high to match. And his eyes are very uh, asymmetrical. And his hand's also gigantic. Like, his his hand is huge. Yeah. 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 I like that his, his eyeball goes up with his eyebrow. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and seemingly the side of his mouth. 
Uh-huh. His whole uh-huh. side of his face goes up when he raises his eyebrow. It's like it's like someone stuck like a really super powered vacuum cleaner up at the top of his head on that side <laughs> and it's just yeah, like sucked his entire face. It's where his up. hairline goes up too. Mhm. Everything. I think his ear is even higher on that side. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. <laughs> you get that checked out, Peter. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, the, uh, the other one to get checked out is Harry when he's watching uh, the beginning of Mary Jane's play. This is the know. alternate universe where Harry gets his life force sucked out of him, right? Oh, God. Yeah, because his like mouth is like super tiny and like kind of in a pucker <laughs> motion. And he's got like a cheek line. Yeah. And even like the program that he, what I would assume is a program is just a giant sheet of paper that he's holding. <laughs> <laughs> and his like head is like tucked into his shoulders like he has no neck. Mm-hmm. You know what it looks like. Do you know uh, the movie Mac and Me? Like Mac no. and Me? No, I don't. You should Google a picture of Mac and of Mac, Mac and, and me. me. Okay. It's this. Uh, it's like a really terrible '80s movie that was like made just to be oh like a like a cheap ripoff of ET. Oh, I watched okay. it all the time when I was a kid and 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 didn't like oh, it. Oh God. It's got, amazing mcdonald's product placement there's literally an entire musical sequence where they all are dancing in a mcdonald's with the mcdonald's employees <laughs> kid gets shot in the end of it a kid the kid in the wheelchair like kid in a wheelchair falls off of a cliff he also gets shot it is and they all drink coke they all love coca-cola of course they do it's an insane movie wow it is an insane movie but yeah harry kind of looks like that yeah he kind of does just pull his ears out to the side and it's uncanny. Yeah. Yep. Whoa. Yep. Other thing about that movie, um, there was a running gag on one or both of Conan O'Brien's late night shows where whenever Paul Rudd would be a guest on it. <laughs> I am seeing a picture of Paul Rudd and I don't really know why. Every single time Paul Rudd was a guest, he would, they would always like set up a clip for like whatever his movie that he was, he was doing is, <laughs> but instead he would show a clip of the kid of the scene from Mac and me where the kid in the wheelchair like loses control and falls off of a cliff oh my every gosh. single time. And he would always set up and Kona would always be like, so you're like, okay. So, and, and you know, obviously this is all rehearsed. Cause like none of this is like real sure. improv, but, but Kona would always be like, okay, so you're not going to do that Mac and me shit again. Like you're really going to show your movie. <laughs> it's like, yeah, definitely going to do it this time. It's like, okay, with the last four times you have done that clip, like, no, for real. Like I really want to, this movie is really good. I feel really strongly, feel really passionately has to talk about it. And then it's, and then it's the same clip every time. <laughs> oh gosh. This is, I'm, I see a gif of the, of it and it's it's uh wow it is an insane movie like it is it is bonkers it's like boring unfortunately but like but then that almost is like to its benefit because like then you'll see something that is just just completely like out of nowhere and completely bonkers (laughs) that it's just like what it's just horrifying like the all the aliens are just like naked humans and look really creepy. Like there's just everything wrong with like with like film that's ever existed is in that movie and it's so uh, good. <laughs> I will have to seek it out. It's we'll uh, see. <laughs> it's more worth watching with another human. Like it's not a thing that you should watch alone. Okay, I will say that's, that's good because then know. it's just boring. <laughs> <laughs> with other humans and with like alcohol in your system yes. or drugs, one of the two or yeah. both. Take so. a pick. <laughs> I, yeah. I do like the people sitting around Harry, like the guy directly to his left in the red sweater is just like super bored. 
And like the person next to the person in the red sweater looks like ashamed to be there. <laughs> Nobody is happy to be at this play. The only person the who's like row. into it. Yeah. In the second row, there's like one lady who's like, oh, oh, what's happening next? And she's the only one enjoying herself. Yeah. Everyone else yeah. is like, well, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. I can't great. get up. I'm in the front row. oh man so yeah um final thoughts on this this episode in particular i I don't know (laughs) i know i'm not sure like i don't have like i feel like typically i have some sort of like overarching thought right like Mm -hmm. here's what this episode did i i don't i don't feel like i have that for this one i like most of the stuff that I like most is like the interpersonal stuff that's happening, which isn't even the focus of the episode. So <sighs> I think that that speaks with the issue with this, with this two parter being the season ender though, is because the interpersonal stuff, the thing that they all have in common is that they, we have been tracking them since the very first episode of the season. Yeah. And, and we've sort of seen all of the stuff develop in at varying bursts over time. Like, if this was the season-ending two-parter to the first season, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have been mad about it. But I think this – we've seen, like, a string of, like, what, five or six episodes in the middle of the season that I think did a really nice job flowing into each other and, like, having – like, still telling, like, pretty self-contained stories that were still very heavily connected. Yeah. Um, and kind of – we sort of saw them really doing a nice job, like, evolving with their serialized storytelling and doing doing really well with it. And then so to end on these like last four episodes that are like kind of feel like they're just kind of thrown in at the end. Like I see the thematic through lines more so in the next episode than this one. But I, I see the I see like the thematic like through lines of like involving neogenics in some way and like sure. the body horror aspect, not so much in like mutating into a monster this time, but more like the body horror of like losing your body to like becoming like, you know old like just (laughs) becoming like a weakened like close to death version of yourself like that that body horror kind of fits in but like vulture himself as the final villain he's just so underwritten and underdeveloped like in a way that every other villain the season has not been and it's kind of a real bummer because there's only so much you can really mine from him you know what though it's it's disappointing but i feel like it's kind of what you were saying about if this were the season ender to the first season like it's it's disappointing in context but there weren't points throughout this episode where i was like this is a bad episode yeah no i agree kind of just it's mm, it does some things that are really cool but it's not great it's just sort of like all averages out it feels like sure the um, stuff when they step up their game, like with like the 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 better sets and like the nice music yeah. and some of the good action, some of the good action sequences, and they like incorporate a lot of different characters that we care about. Yeah, in a way, and, you know, this is one of those episodes that, aside from like the little pieces where it feels like there's a deleted scene, it doesn't feel like super cluttered or anything. Which um, is saying something, considering that Vulture and Spidey clash on like five separate occasions. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Which yeah. we've seen the show do before. I think it was Hobgoblin, I think, is one of the instances where they just, like, kept coming back to it. Yeah. And it was annoying. I know Mysterio is one where they did that, too. And that got a little confusing, but it wasn't unfun. Yeah. This this they clash over and over and over, but it feels like they progress each time, which is good. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like they're repeating the same fight over and over again um, because Tombs continues to sort of... Uh, further his ability to sap people's life force. So at least there's mm-hmm. progression there. 
but I still don't know that I care about I think that's, tombs. that's the problem. <laughs> I think that's exactly the problem is yeah. that there's these aren't bad episodes. This episode in particular, I think, is a really nice trajectory to it and is, is a really fun watch. And there's definitely like a lot of tension happening. But yeah, the investment isn't there. Which and it's like even even like the one-off episodes from the first season, they would at least try to like establish some pretty solid motivations or character quirks. Adrian Toomes is a pretty straightforward motivation, and there's not really anything else to him other than just being evil, like you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I wish they like if they had tipped the balance just slightly more towards this is going to tie up a bunch of the interpersonal stuff, and that is the focus but it's complicated by this villain mm-hmm. i don't think i would mind as much adrian tombs being underdeveloped sure. but i think that he is meant to be more of the focal point of this episode and so it He's doesn't quite land the way that it could yeah i still say if he was just you know again i i don't want to just try to rewrite everything but if he had just been seated throughout the season even in just a couple of other episodes <laughs> i don't think that's rewriting i think that's just like asking for a bit more setup yeah, You're well, not changing I mean, the events necessarily. I, I, I still, I still think he could have just been slotted into Silvermane's place, yeah. and not much would have really changed. That's true. And I think it would have ended up being this would have been a stronger season ender. So I don't know. It's a, uh, it's just a weird like it's not a bummer to end on, you know, no. for this season. And and like I said, like we said over and over again, this these episode, this episode in particular, especially, is not that bad. It's no, just, it's uh, fine. It's just fine. Yeah, it's just fine. And. I was really in on the season during the middle section of it and was really hoping it would lead to a better conclusion, which we still have one more episode to talk about and there's still some fun stuff that's going to happen next week. But as far as like kind of set up for the final conflict, it's like I wish I was more invested going into the the final episode. I think a big piece of it is while I'm watching this episode, I'm not necessarily seeing how it's setting up the next episode. And I think if I saw it a little bit more, that would be helpful because where it does eventually go, you're like, oh, okay. I see how they're getting here and I see how they're choosing to close this up and launch into the next arc, right? I can see what they're trying to do. But this episode alone doesn't really like look forward to that all that much. Yeah. So you're just sort of like, okay, everything just happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know where it's going to go from here. And I don't really know how it's going to tie into stuff moving forward. I see how it ties in to the stuff we've seen to this point. So I I don't know. I'm not sure what they could have woven into it. So there's not really a suggestion other than just like uh, elaborating on maybe a bit of confusion, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's 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 not my least favorite episode of the season. I don't think. <laughs> oh, certainly not. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How oh, well? Well, well, we'll have one more episode to close out the season, and maybe uh, maybe our thoughts will change. They won't. We'll not. <laughs> but we'll we'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, well, you know, not everything's a bummer. Uh, <laughs> like on our, um, not to, still want to end this on a sour note. So if you want some cool stuff where we're excited about things, we have additional bonus episodes on our Patreon that you can check out. So you can go there. Like we mentioned, we just did a series of spider bites on like the unmade canceled Spider-Man films right from the eighties up until the amazing Spider-Man. So those were really fun to do. Um, and even though they, some of those things were bad, they were really fun to talk about. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So go over to our Patreon now, patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers and check that out. You can get all those episodes for just a dollar a month. So they are there waiting for you right now. 
otherwise, if you want to get to know us a little better personally, where can we find you on the internet, Doug? You can follow me on Twitter at Ikibouli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y, talking about just whatever I'm watching and playing, typically. And if you like Pokemon stuff, you can find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just sort of as we feel like it. What about you, Derek? You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale, D-E-R-E-K-B-G-A-Y-L-E, talking about whatever I want, in particular like media that I'm watching and commenting on that and having funny screen grabs from them when they come up. And you can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, trying to look at it from either a positive lens or at least uh, from a research-heavy perspective to try to figure out what the intention was and why the people who might like it actually like it. Otherwise, if you would like to check us out, uh, our show, I should say, then see like faces of the episode, screen caps, GIF, all kinds of all types of other goodies, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod. You can also email us at Walloping Web Snappers Podcast at gmail.com. And also, we would love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, since it is the best way to find podcasts in the world, uh, for better or worse. <laughs> and <laughs> next week, we've already kind of talked about it a bit, but we are officially going to dive into the final episode of the season and close out the Neogenic Nightmare arc of Spider Man the Animated Series with the final nightmare. So Freddy's going to be there. Apparently. Yay! Yay! Bye. More developed than Vulture. Bye! <laughs>